And so what we're finding in preliminary data is it's very exciting is that there's definitely like a signature there. You're going to yeah. have the higher levels of omega-3 fatty acids. The grass is where those fatty acids kind of come from. And so then the animal consumes them and they're going to have higher levels of that. And again, soil health, like you're saying, you can improve your metrics of soil health in a relatively short period of time. And that then impacts the nutrient and mineral availability to the plants and therefore the animals. Hey, Dr. Axe here. If you could discover how to add more healthy years to your life, would you want to know? Of course, that's where Inside Tracker steps in, dedicated to enhancing your health span for a more robust and thriving life. Inside Tracker harnesses the intricate data of your body to formulate personalized strategies that align perfectly with your unique needs. By assessing your blood, DNA, and seamlessly syncing with your fitness device, Inside Tracker gives you a clear roadmap backed by science-backed recommendations on things like nutrition, exercise, supplements, and lifestyle fine-tuning. If you're an Ancient Health Podcast listener, Inside Tracker is giving you a 20% discount. All you have to do is go to insidetracker.com slash axe20 to take the first stride towards optimizing your well-being. Your future will thank you for it. Welcome back to the Ancient Health Podcast, where we educate you on real health solutions that will help transform the way you live, feel, and overcome disease naturally. I'm your host, Courtney Versage, along with Dr. Josh Axe and Dr. Chris Motley. We're so happy you've joined us. Let's dive into today's episode. Hey, everybody. Dr. Axe here. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited for this week. We have Autumn Smith with me today. She's the co-founder of Paleo Valley and Wild Pastures and also the host of the Optimize Paleo podcast. She holds a master's of science in holistic nutrition. She's working on her doctorate right now. Uh, and she became... Uh, you know, or really got interested in the natural health industry because of a debilitating digestive issue. I know very similar to my uh, one of my closest friends and business partners, Jordan Rubin, and uh, very similar. You know, she overcame this using food as medicine. We're going to hear about some of that today and excited to dive in with her. Uh, Autumn, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dr. Axe. Like I said, it's a pleasure to be here. You've taught me a lot and I'm, I'm just grateful. Cool. So, so some things that I want to get into today, I want to get your opinion on everything from, uh, you know, fake meat, like vegan meat to lab grown meat to, uh, you know, what's the difference between grass fed and non grass fed. I want to talk about some of the science behind some of those incredible compounds that we could take as supplements or as foods and just talk about, you know, generally a lot about food as medicine today, uh, which which will be fun, but I'd love to start off with a little bit about your story. As I had alluded to, you had a really serious digestive disease. Talk to us about that sort of, you know, how that transpired and really some of the things that you did to help heal yourself. Yeah, well, I, I was about 10 when I started having just kind of unpredictable gut issues. And it was so bad one time, I remember asking my mom to take me to the emergency room. And the doctors there told me that it was just irritable bowel syndrome. They kind of ruled out any more serious pathology and then kind of put me in that, you know, what some people would consider a wastebasket diagnosis, kind of like, there's an issue. We don't know exactly what it is. Go home and take some Beano. It's stress-related. That's what they told yeah. me at the time. And so I did that and nothing changed, obviously. And so as I got into my teens, these digestive issues kind of started to manifest in also mental health and more brain-based issues anxiety and depression. We didn't really know there was a connection at the time. I definitely didn't think it had something to do with what I was eating, but 
got kicked out of my parents' house before I graduated high school. I started using substances just to help me kind of numb my physical and emotional pain. It really wasn't until I moved to Los Angeles. I did some dancing. I even finished college. Luckily, I have always had a passion for learning that kind of like brought me through that really tough time. But my husband, when he started to get close to me and, and get to know me, he was like, you're suffering, but you're just not talking about it. And we yeah. really need to change it for you. And so we got online, saw some people were treating digestive issues with food, and which, which I thought was ridiculous because, of course, I'd seen many doctors about it. And just to kind of humor my husband, we tried. We went to farmer's markets, started eating fresh foods, you know, that were produced as locally as possible. I cut out grains and I cut out, you know, processed foods. And it was a journey, right? This wasn't overnight, but when I was able to do it for 30 days, just really knuckled down and it changed my life. My digestive issues went away. I know. And over the course of the next year, as I became more interested and more committed to this dietary change, my mental health changed to such a degree that I thought, wow, this is really fascinating. And I had this dream job working as a celebrity fitness trainer for Tracy Anderson. I was literally traveling the world. It was it was wonderful, but it was such a transformational moment for me from not only being fit, but to being well, that I decided I needed to go back to school and better understand what happened. And in the meantime, we decided to start making products because my last assignment on was a world tour as a Tracy Anderson fitness trainer. And I had reclaimed my health right before. And then I didn't have the tools that I needed on the tour because sometimes we were in a different country every day. And so when we came back to America, I said, okay, let's start with you know snacks that people like me can just take wherever they're going to go and that will help them maintain this, this vibrant health that I thought everybody should be able to experience. I love it. That's so great. You know, I think, you know, when we look at sort of this uh, idea of food is medicine, you know, that's part of what you're sharing, this gut brain connection. I think this is something that, you know, doctors up until about 10 years ago acted like just did not exist. You know, when most people with a, with a more of a conventional doctorate, an MD degree, when they go through school, they, they're taught things very one dimensionally. Now, osteopaths and some chiropractors and some naturopaths. Now they, they look at the body a little bit more holistically, but a lot of MDs, the way that they go to school and listen, there are some MDs that are absolutely incredible. And after they get out of school, they start learning more of this sort of way to look at the body in a synergistic matter. Most of these doctors, they sort of look at the body and they're like, well, you have a, you're having a mental health issue. That's, you know, maybe it's all in your head, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Or maybe it's something you're born with that's wrong with your brain. When in fact, you know, we're starting to learn more and more today. It's either probably a problem with sort of your identity or purpose in life and something that's more spiritually or, or, or mentally related, or it's what you're saying. It's, it can start in your gut. There's so much science now proving that. So I really appreciate you sharing that story because there's probably a lot of people maybe even listening who maybe they have also noticed it could be symptoms such as brain fog or headaches, but it also could be depression, anxiety, other mood disorders. And they don't realize that, you know, taking care of the gut is really an important cure. One question I have for you is what were some of those foods that maybe you noticed? Okay. I noticed that this food or a few of these foods really had a positive impact on my gut and my, my mental health. And maybe there's a few foods that you noticed when I ate this, it really, you, you, you notice the side effects. Yeah. Great question. So uh, as a fitness trainer, really high quality protein was really key. And I kind of had come from a place where I thought animal products were bad and I was kind of avoiding them and eating these really highly processed 
food bars, whatever I could find on the road, high, you know, high protein. And so that was one of my triggers. Undoubtedly. I was also eating, I was taught as a ballerina, a calorie was a calorie. And I was just kind of, I had this lens of like weight control, weight control, and and rather than like holistic whole health. And so I would eat candy and I, I really didn't have a great diet. I just didn't think it mattered. So the candy and all the processed food, I was also drinking a lot of soy milk lattes um, mm. and also it's things like naked juice or these, these juices, these fruit juices that had like 50 grams of sugar in them in the morning before a workout, only to find that I would absolutely crash by the end of the day because yeah. I was having essentially like two cans of Coke in the sugar content. And finally, caffeine was a big piece. One of those things that I really needed to learn to manage more carefully. That was hard for me. So the foods have really made a big difference organ meats. I remember the first day that I tried yes, that. Love that. I, it was definitely, it made me do a happy dance. My body needed something that organ meats were providing probably B12 and iron in a highly bioavailable form, whatever it was, organ meats were really integral to my recovery, fish, seafood, really high quality seafood. I actually have uh, both genes for Alzheimer's, ApoE44. And so there's a theory, at least, that my brain in particular requires this phospholipid form that you find in whole food fish and that maybe Mm. fish supplements, even though I'd been taking fish oil, wouldn't work to the same degree. And then vegetables, low starch vegetables. I I probably have eight to 10 servings a day. My digestive health is better. I feel like invigorated whenever I consume them. And also the other food that I eliminated that was pretty problematic for me was, was gluten. I think, yeah. I think it's all I wanted to eat as a child. Bread and cheese was what my mom could get me to eat. And so, wow. yeah, so it's been a road, but definitely seafood, liver, high quality animal products and tons of brightly covered, colored and diverse vegetables were my savior. You know, one of the things that I've experienced, and I know that in, in a way you've probably experienced this is you, if you've started making recommendations and helping people improve their health. But, you know, I noticed when I was in practice and even now, when people switch to a diet of eating predominantly wild organic meat and vegetables, that's the diet that heals people. You know, I, I'm thinking about a friend of mine and she, she's a, she's a medical doctor and she had a really chronic MS mm-hmm. and, um, Terry walls. And yeah. so she went and she pretty much, she said, my diet was meat and vegetables and maybe some bone, you know, bone broth, like as a soup with that. And she's like, that healed my MS. And so, you know, we've seen this with almost anybody with an immune condition or wants to lose weight or overcome anything, they cut out everything, but pretty much meat and vegetables. And I think people can incorporate Again, bone broth, maybe some people can do okay with fruit. Some people as a grain, rice throughout history made as a kanji. Some people do fairly well with, but anyways, just to, just to share, like that's one thing you, you said, meat and vegetables, there are a bunch. And, you know, meat for many years in the past was villainized. And we heard that it's, you know, meat is bad for your health and especially red meat. Now, I think we're starting to see more of this carnivore movement and more people talking about things like organ meats and, let me say this as well. You know, I truly believe that organ meats are the greatest superfood on the planet. I think that when you look at the literature or just the nutritional facts, they're more nutrient dense than kale or spinach or any green leafy vegetable. So organ meats are incredible. In fact, I do them every single morning. My wife, Chelsea, does them every single day. And so like you, we're huge fans of those. Why do you think or is there anything in particular that you felt like th- th- this is this was what spurred on or part of what caused people to start to feel like meat is bad? Oh, first of all, I just want to say, yeah, organ meats literally have an anti-fatigue factor 
that's been demonstrated. And then Dr. Ty Beal, I'm sure you're familiar with his research, but found, you know, organ meats are literally the most nutrient dense foods in the nutrients when you consider the nutrients that most of us are deficient in. So yay, organ meats. But yes, the origins of the meat is bad hypothesis are, are really, truly fascinating. Have you met Dr. Belin, Belinda Fetke? I haven't, no. Okay, so this is a fascinating story. Her husband, Gary Fetke, was an orthopedic surgeon down in Tasmania, Australia. And he himself had healed him his own condition uh, with a low-carbohydrate diet. And he was working on diabetic amputations. And so you tell his patients when he discovered this, that maybe you should consider removing sugar from your diets to keep your blood sugar levels under control. Well, the dietitian in his hospital did not like this suggestion and turned him into the medical board. And he suffered four years of litigation, um, becoming the only doctor ever silenced from talking about nutrition. Now, his wife, Belinda Fecky, sat in all of these proceedings, watching him present very valid science uh, showing the benefits of low-carbohydrate diets, specifically in you know diabetic populations, but it didn't seem to matter. And so she went to see like, what are the origins of this belief if it's not about science and just found a lot of Seventh-day Adventist influences. And they believe, you know, a Garden of Eden diet does not include meat or includes very, very little. And they actually influence a lot of things. You know, religion can be great, but they also uh, kind of brought this movement of lab grown meat and corn flakes and uh, flaked wheat and corn. This was Dr. John Harvey Kellogg. And he was a protege or a a student of Ellen White, who is the prophetess of the Seventh-day Adventist church. And they believe that meat created lustful desires in kids. And so if we could create alternatives to that, we might be able to kind of dampen that. And so one, one part was religion, but then we also had the Ansel Keys story and he believed, you know, saturated fat and dietary fat in the beginning was a culprit. We now know that that isn't true, but he did some yeah. research that influenced policy. We also had the advent of Crisco in the early 1900s. And this was, uh, we had a surplus of cottonseed oil at uh, James Proctor and William Gamble, and they wanted to be able to sell it because the candles they were making weren't becoming as important due to the advent of electricity. And so they decided with hydrogenation, you could turn it to a a liquid fat, to a solid fat, and it looked like butter and so or lard specifically. And they thought, well, why don't we just tell the American public that it's healthier? And they did. They had launched a massive marketing campaign that was incredibly successful, kind of touting this new cooking fat as better for their character and just better for the health without any substantiation of their claims whatsoever. And so Americans made that switch and later to seed oils and vegetable oils. And meanwhile, the consumption of animal fats declined. But we now know that Crisco in its original form had about 50% trans fat, which we know is absolutely detrimental to health. And then we have the sugar industry funding research to kind of under or kind of like help this hypothesis that saturated fat was bad, which obviously would help their bottom line. So we've had a lot of influences. And I think today is kind of just, especially in the younger generation, I'm really concerned about it because I had a friend of mine tell me her daughter went to school and couldn't be in a club because she ate meat. And so I think this is the generation that will suffer if we don't understand the the actual origins that we've been consuming meat for millions of years. And it was, a lot of people believe, what led to our massive explosion of brain development. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting history with a lot of kind of converging influences that have led to this explosion and this narrative in the mainstream today. Yeah, these are fantastic points. And if you look at I really, when I teach and lecture, one of the things I try and always pass on is principles. 
So not just a, and, and by the way, I, I really try and quote a lot of studies and go through, and I spent a lot of time in the scientific literature going through, hey, here's what today's science is showing. At the same time, we know that oftentimes it's not difficult to, you know, create bias studies. And so, you know, when we look back at the, at the past and what happens so often where we take something from nature and maybe something that's not, not even meant to be eaten as a food and we change it, we find out later that it ends up being as you you pointed out detrimental to our health. You know, I think about this exact same thing happening today with, let's say, lab-grown meat. You know, that's going to be a craze. Now, I found it it is it is actually five times worse for the environment, uh, five to twenty-five times, according to UC Davis. It is probably now we don't have the literature because they won't show us what's actually in the product. It's probably going to be worse for our health. A number of things, but but people keep sort of doing this anyways and moving forward with it anyways. A, a lot of these sort of Idea And by the way, the lab-grown meat thing, I understand because I think what most people are saying is, well, eventually maybe it's going to be better for the environment. First off, it's not going to be. Animals are incredible for the environment if they're doing what we know they should do, right? I mean, yeah. so Jordan Rubin and I, we bought land in Tennessee and uh, in Missouri. We have 4,000 organic acres. And when, we, when, when he first bought the, Jordan first bought the uh, Missouri property, it was just, it was all dirt and rock. And then we do, uh, in New Zealand, it's called the ultra high density grazing method, where we basically have the cow, the, 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 the animals, we have sheep and goats too, but they go from different pasture to pasture and we have them eat whatever grass is there. And then of course they urinate and they defecate and they fertilize the soil. But two years later, it was like, wow. In fact, we, we bought, so we, we bought some land and in the nutrient density of the soil, there's a way to test. This was around 11% when we bought this land and now it's around 97%. I mean, in terms of where it was, so you can literally 10 X the nutrients in the soil in less than two years. My point is, is that if it wasn't for animals, we couldn't have done that. So all of these people out there today that are saying somehow um, animals or or consuming animal meat is bad for the environment, it's not. It's you know if if you're doing the breeding the right way and you're creating more and more animals and you're actually allowing them to graze on grass and do all the things they're supposed to do, it actually starts to regenerate and heal the environment if, if things are done the right way. Now, if it's done in a conventional way, which you and I are both very against, it actually, of course, yes, is going to be damaging. But I think that's the thing I see with a lot of these documentaries that are anti-meat. You know, what they end up doing is they end up, they're, they're, it's never done on animals that are grass-fed. So talk to me about that for a minute, April, with all of your research and, and you and your husband going out there and being so uh, such great advocates for grass-fed animals. Talk to me about what are some of those main differences between conventional, conventionally raised animals and their meat versus the pasture organic wild that you and I both promote? Yes. So that's, wow, so much in there. But yes, um, I'm actually studying this for my dissertation. I'm really lucky to be a part of a project with Dr. Stefan Van Vliet at Utah State University. And if you're raising animals, you might want to be part of this project. It's called the Beef Nutrient Density Project. And so what we know from decades of research is that the nutrient composition changes in beef right? We see higher levels of omega-3 fatty acids. We see higher levels of conjugated linoleic acid. We see yeah. lower levels of linoleic acid. We see elevated levels of minerals, depending, you know, probably on the soil that it, the animal is being reared on higher levels of vitamin A and vitamin E. Now this is in grass-fed animals, but what we also see, and this is this confusing element is that grass-fed is, is basically kind of an unregulated term. And so you also see yeah. wide variation 
according to their practices. So what the Beef Nutrient Density Project aims to do is to look at, okay, is an animal raised grass on grass their entire lives from birth to death? Is that different in its nutrient composition than an animal raised uh, on a monoculture or topped off with grain? Or does it matter if the animal receives diverse pastures and is doing rotational grazing like you're talking about? And so what we're finding in preliminary data is it's very exciting is that there's definitely like a signature there. You're going to yeah. have the higher levels of omega-3 fatty acids. The grass is where those fatty acids kind of come from. And so then an animal consumes them and then they're going to have higher levels of that. And again, soil health, like you're saying, you can improve your metrics of soil health in a relatively short period of time. And that then impacts the nutrient and mineral availability to the plants and therefore the animals. So higher levels of minerals. Also higher levels of phytonutrients. So these are nutrients that are typically associated with plant foods that you can yeah. find in high amounts in beef products when that animal is, especially when they're on a diverse pasture. And what- And, and let, let me jump in and, and, and touch it because yeah. that's such a good point, the diverse pasture point, because yeah. it, and there's two things I just want, want everyone to be able to hear. One is, as, as Autumn here is talking about is, there are a lot of companies out there that put grass fed on their label and maybe that animal has been fed grass 30% of the year. And so what they'll do is they'll feed them grass, maybe just certain months. And then right before they send them off to, uh, to, to, to be slaughtered, they will stuff them full of grains and corn for their last call it, you know, three to four months of life. And, and that's what a lot of these companies are, are doing versus what Autumn's talking about is 100% grass fed from birth to death. Also that diversity you know, we found this autumn in our soil, in our, as we tried to have more diverse um, pastures is, for instance, one of the things we found is that when they were eating clover and certain things like that, they actually had higher levels of omega-3. So there were certain things that created higher levels, different types. So, so we'll grow probably like, like, like you're researching like rye grass and wheat, grass, different types of grasses to try and get that diversity. So anyways, I just wanted to didn't mean to interrupt, but just to see, I think these are important points for, for people to understand. Just like, think about it like your diet. Like you should be eating different types of vegetables, some different types of fruits, some different types of food. You know, cows are the same, you know, animals are the same way for them to get some diversity in their diet. It's, in, it's important. It's incredibly important. And Dr. Fred Provenza, you might know who he is, but he studies this because animals can use plants prophylactically to improve their health. If they're sick, they're attracted mm -hmm. to certain plants. And we can That's allow right. them this as long as they have that diverse array of of choices, right? And that's why it's kind of sad in feedlot scenarios where they don't actually have that choice anymore. And so, yes, like you're saying, a lot of um, every cow feeds grass for part of their lives. It's important what happens, it seems, in their nutritional profile of the product in that last period of their lives. And so just to take the next phase of this research, which I'm really excited about, is Dr. Van Vliet is taking plant-based meat, feeding it to people in a lab, right? A very large amount, I believe it's eight ounces, and then also grain fed beef, and then comparing that with grass-fed beef to see what are the actual signatures in the biomarkers and does it matter. Preliminary research suggests it does. There was a research study uh, done on kangaroo, wild kangaroo meat versus CAFO or feedlot factory-fed meat, beef, and they had lower levels of inflammation after their meal with the wild meat. But of course, it's confounded because it's not beef. So we're going to check on that. But even beyond yeah. beef, yeah, and, and they're doing, and the cool thing about this research is what we're learning, that we used to look at a handful of nutrients, vitamin A, vitamin A, E, minerals, fatty acids, but now metabolomics, this new type of analysis, lets us look at the hundreds and thousands of compounds that are present 
in an, a food product, whereas we've been kind of looking at dozens or maybe a hundred. And right. so, yeah, it's showing very, very big differences, not only in you know the nutrients, but also in the health of the animals, different factors, mitochondrial health, blood sugar regulation, just fitness of the animal also changes depending on what they're fed. And of course, chicken and pork, you know, they're also, it's very important what they eat, higher levels of omega-3 fatty acids, lower levels of omega-6 fatty acids, higher levels of vitamin D and on and on. And you can actually appreciably change the fatty acid of pork. Now, pork is a 35 to one omega-6 to omega-3 fatty acid ratio, conventionally speaking, as an average generally, but you can really lower that if you just allow them to be on pasture. They don't even have to not be fed grain, just allowing certain breeds to be on pasture can bring it down to something like a 10 to one. So yeah, the way that animals are fed, it matters, it changes. And preliminary research suggests that definitely matters for human health, not only maybe in inflammation reduction, but also consuming grass-fed red meat hires, uh, raises your levels of omega-3 fatty acid levels in the blood um, and erythrocytes significantly compared to grain-fed meat. So it's new, it's emerging research, but it's really exciting. And I think it, it definitely points to the fact that, yeah, soil health, plant health, animal health, human health, it's all the same. And when we go for what you're doing, Dr. Axe, diversity, healthy ecosystems, uh, diversified pastures, uh, we're going to also improve human health. And the food. Yeah, absolutely agree. Yeah, I want to talk, just mention here um, with some of these different type of meat products. Now, some people don't like when I say this, and it's that's that's <laughs> fine. But you know, I personally don't eat. Um, I don't eat pork products. Now, part of it was it was you know I I I, I read the Bible. I have uh, a, a Christian faith, but and and obviously when you read the Old Testament, and if you're looking at a kosher diet, they they don't eat pork products either. And it's 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 there's there's something going on with pork just in general as an animal to where they they are the largest carriers land animals of parasites you know they they carry a lot of parasites the other thing is is even if they're eating a perfect diet like we we don't see and i haven't seen a study where they're getting down to a 1 to 2 or 1 to 1 or even a 1 to 4 ratio of those omega 3s to omega 6s like you said it, hey maybe it can get down to a 1 to 10 when you're looking at grass fed beef when we did our research we saw a lot of a kind of a 1 to 2 ratio so all that being said it's just very hard like and and also even with chicken chicken is a little more neutral if you're looking for amino acids and protein it's a really good it's a really good meat however when you're comparing the nutrient density of beef, pork, and chicken, beef is going to come out on top every single time. I mean, when you look at the healthy fats you're going to find in beef, as you mentioned, the omega-3s and the conjugated linoleic acid and the anti-cancer benefits and the weight loss benefits of that, it's fantastic. When you look at some of the minerals and of course the B vitamins, you know, there's going to be much, much higher. The iron levels uh, are going to be much higher when you're talking about beef. So anyways, that's, I just wanted to mention because what we had talked about earlier is beef probably more than anything, red meat has been the most villainized of all the meats. But when you look at the nutritional profile in terms of actual nutrients, yeah. beef blows most other meat out of the water. And especially if we start getting into organ meats, then it's a whole nother level. And yeah. so, you know, what are, what are some of those things that, yeah, is there anything I'm missing there? Like, like I, I know that one of, one of the things that that you you all offer is one of your products at your company, Paleo Valley, is these grass-fed beef sticks, which are fantastic. So if anybody's traveling or going anywhere, again, you know, I love that being able to just grab grab a, a grass-fed beef stick when you're traveling and knowing it is one hundred not 
30%, but actually 100% grass-fed beef. But are there any highlights or things that you, you want to touch on in terms of what makes beef itself actually so special versus even other meats? Yeah. You know, like you're saying, nutrient density, high levels of B vitamins, iron, of course, that's, you know, what makes it red. The iron is so critical and so many, it's one of the number one nutrient deficiencies worldwide. And of course, omega-3 fatty acids, people say, oh, well, the absolute amount doesn't matter. But when you look at that research, when you put it in the human body, it raises levels in the blood uh, significantly more than yeah. something grain fed. So it doesn't, the absolute amount doesn't always matter. It matters what your body does with it and how your body utilizes it. There's a really interesting research by Dr. Felice Jacket too, that this is why we kind of started with a beef stick, that red meat was perhaps uniquely uh, beneficial for mental health. She found women that had three to four servings a week had lower levels of depression and anxiety when she actually set out and thought that the research would find the opposite. And so it was specific to red meat. So I don't think we yet know exactly why, but the fact of the matter is it is a incredibly nutrient dense food and something that does seem to be very supportive of mental health. And so our beef sticks are unique because they come from those regenerative systems. And that's the problem, like you're saying with pork and chicken, when you walk into a grocery store today, 90%, over 90% uh, are coming from factory farms, right? They're not living the greatest yes. life, not being fed in a way that is in alignment. They're definitely not coming from diversified regener regenerative systems. And so we only partner with American farmers who are using regenerative methods. And then we just let the grass-fed beef and in all its deliciousness and the diversity of nutrients in there speak for itself. We just put organic spices and then we preserve them with natural fermentation. So instead of adding chemicals like encapsulated citric acid, yep. which involves genetically modified organisms and then coated in a hydrogenated oil, uh, we just ferment them with bacteria and a starter culture and just kind of like our ancestors did. And it just leads to a really high quality, natural nutrient dense product with a snap rather than like this tough, tough jerky feel that you, that you get. So yeah, I am on a mission to help women be not afraid of red meat because it is uniquely beneficial uh, and a really great source of protein too, amino acids where a lot of us are just yeah. under eating protein and eating more because of it and not feeling as stable or as energetic as we otherwise could. So that's why we made our beef sticks and um, I hope that you love them. <laughs> we love ours. Oh yeah. You, you've done a wonderful job with the beef sticks. They're fantastic. You know, I, I think too, going back to the iron levels, you know, when I was in practice, functional medicine practice, I saw so many women who had low energy levels. They just were constantly feeling sort of fatigued and getting more iron and more red meat for many of them really helped. It's a, it's the ultimate blood, blood builder, right? So I think that there's major benefits there. And of course, as another thing maybe people may consider is taking a, a liver supplement, right? Doing a grass-fed beef liver supplement or grass-fed lamb or whatever room in an animal there is. But yeah, I think there's tremendous benefits of getting that iron with all of those B vitamins, which also support the blood. And so if anybody's watching this and especially your, I mean, I think men and women both, but women, especially younger women around your cycle, you know, it's getting lots of red meat and blood builders like liver are so, so beneficial as well. And, um, and, you know, I, I've been encouraged to see, you know, more and more people buying organ meats and glandular products. You know, this is something we have ancient nutrition, you know, we, we, we do this a lot and I know you guys have some incredible products too, but I think that, you know, liver in particular is one of the most amazing superfoods on the planet. I mean, on my list of the top you know, top 10, 
I think it's likely, you know, number one. I mean, seaweed's probably up there too. I would say liver's probably number one. I mean, it's it's absolutely incredible. How about you? What what are what are your top? If I had to say right now on the spot, Autumn, what are your top five superfoods? You know, what would those be? Oh, I love that question. Well, yes, I would definitely say liver because not only was it so remarkable the way it changed my health, but then as you're saying, I have had so many people reach out to me and say that they don't have to take iron infusions anymore because yeah. they're using liver and liver has, you know, vitamin A and copper and that help the iron to be utilized. And so liver is definitely, definitely one. I think, I think whole food vitamin C is an underrated nutrient mm. and kind of superfood. So omla berry, camu camu and unripe yeah. cherry vitamin C is not just for the immune system. It goes way beyond that. Uh, and so I think that's definitely one spirulina is really interesting to me too right. you really need a high quality spirulina but it's you know de- demonstrated ability to help improve your immune system potentially help improve body composition um helping the gut microbiome and the diversity there and helping to kind of ward off uh, unhealthy organisms that might be there so spirulina obviously bone broth i love bone broth i drink yeah. bone broth every day i know you've got a great bone broth uh, too and gosh, okay. More recently, I've really gotten into fish roe, and um, there you go. A really wow. whole food source of DHEA and and protein, actually, and even vitamin E. There's crazy amounts of awesome things in fish roe, and people have been kind of prioritizing that food in in our history. And we've kind of I don't think enough people consume it today. So fish roe in that having fish in that phospholipid form um, seems to be really really beneficial for me. So those are be my top that, that, five. That's a pretty solid list. Mine, mine might ma- match that pretty close or even exactly. You know, I would say, you know, fish row, one of the unique things that has, I remember seeing on TV a few years ago, there was this, um, they were marketing it to humans, but also to, to, to dogs. And it was called green lipid muscle oil. And that has a unique uh, fat called, um, it's not EPA or DHA, it's ETA which is, has very similar properties to EPA and DHA, which is, it's just high, it's an omega-3 that's highly anti-inflammatory, even more anti-inflammatory than DHA. And, um, but that's what fish row has, even, I believe in equal amounts or maybe even higher levels. And so anyways, fish row is unique from fish oil. So fish row is caviar, it's fish eggs and, um, loads and loads of benefits. I mean, it's incredibly anti-inflammatory. So that's a, I love that answer. That's a, that that was a I didn't think you were going to say that one and that was a but that was a that was a really yeah. good answer. It's a recent addition to my little arsenal and the other thing that kind of that reminded me of is um we see in the beef research you know DHA and EPA are kind of the omega 3s that we focus on but there's also one called DPA and that mm-hmm. we haven't really been focusing on but kind of as an intermediary and so when you measure the levels of that present in a grass fed beef for example the levels are higher but again it's one of those nutrients that we haven't really been looking for and aren't really aware of so yes superfoods grass fed beef fish roe they're my favorites yeah those are some good ones very very good ones you know, I remember this was years ago. There was a doc, and uh, his name was Dr. Furman, and he came out with this nutrient density score. Okay, mm-hmm. and so he went and basically, in the, and Whole Foods Market did this for a while. You'd go in there, and they would have you know a nutrient density score between zero and one hundred. And so the green leafy vegetables were all scored hundred, and some of the other foods. And he created this algorithm around it. Now I went and started studying his algorithm. And found so because he had meat like lower down on the list. And I thought, this just doesn't seem right. Well, he went and cherry picked the vitamins and minerals he thought he wanted to count to make plants higher. And they had this whole thing. I think him and a guy named Rip Edelstein, uh, 
might be saying his name wrong. He was a firefighter in Whole Foods. They did this whole marketing campaign. Now, let me say this. I, I did appreciate, I think, the nutrient density score and getting people to eat more fruits and vegetables. I thought, you know, that's that part of it I liked, but also I didn't like the omissions of sort of trying to make meat look bad and not having a fair and equal comparison. Because if we would go today and actually look at nutrient, like overall, all nutrient compounds that we currently measure in plants and foods and everything else, you're going to see organ meats probably number one and probably seaweed number two, but grass-fed beef is going to be on that list and it may not be quite at kale, but it's going to be pretty close. And also it's going to have, it's, it's, it's easier in your digestive system, at least for a lot of people. And that's one of the things I found over the years too, is, is that when I got into practice, being naive in certain areas, right when I was before getting into practice, I thought, you know what? There's maybe one best diet for everybody. It could be paleo. It could be keto. It could be vegan. I, I didn't know. Well, once I got into practice, I realized that depending on the condition, sometimes people need different diets. You mentioned the animals going and eating different foods based on what they're innately knowing what those needs are. And what I found when I was in practice is that you know, people with certain conditions like, like uh, severe cancers, where it's more of a liver gallbladder issue, some of those people did better on lower meat diet and very, very high in plant. However, I think more people, what they're dealing with today when we're talking about an issue like, uh, especially any immune-related issue or any gut-related issue, those people absolutely do not tolerate raw vegetables well or a lot of plants. They do better with a lot of meat and a lot of bone broth that are cooked. My, my point is, is that like we sometimes we fall as a society into these ideas of everybody needs to be on paleo or everyone needs to be on keto. And I think generally somebody could get on something like paleo and most people will see results because they're eating, you know, processed foods. And so they could get on a diet and they're eating more real food now. So they're seeing those benefits. But my point there is, is that, you know, I think generally a lot of this is really personalized for different people, but I think for most people, 90% of people getting more grass-fed wild organic meat is something they would really benefit from. What are some of those things that you maybe teach? And we touched on this a little bit, but if you have any other thoughts on what, what are some of those main, like when we, when I, so we, we talked about a lot of the benefits already of the grass-fed wild meat. What are some of the side effects that we see when people, uh, maybe they want to do meat, but they continue to eat those conventional meat products? Oh, gosh. Well, yeah. You know, first of all, the research here is really new. And so we only have a handful of studies actually linking the changes in the nutrient composition to human health. And we saw, right, lower levels of inflammation and potentially, right? It's, it's difficult to measure because levels of inflammation rise for everybody after a meal, but potentially that could be something, especially when you look at those phytonutrients, theoretically, they are anti-inflammatory, anti-diabetic, anti-depressive. I mean, these phytonutrients that are present in higher amounts in these diverse pastures and then in the meat um, would probably dampen inflammation and also omega-3s help dampen inflammation. And so I would say lower amounts of inflammation would be a very good place to start. Also higher levels of the omega-3 fatty acids in our bloodstream. I read a study the other day came out from Harvard that up to 90,000 deaths every year attributable to omega-3 fatty acid deficiency. It was wow. actually more deaths than was caused by trans fat and some infectious diseases. It's just not something that people talk about. And for people who want to consume fish roe and fish, amazing. And they have that access. That's great. But grass-fed beef, there's also a paper written about the fact that for people who do not want to consume fish, 
do not have access to fish. Grass-fed beef can be a significant tr contributor to your omega-3 fatty acid intake. And so again, that could be helping with omega-3 fatty acids. They've looked at studies to look at, you know, body composition changes and triglyceride levels. And, and some of them do show changes when you consume grass-fed beef, but I think it's a, in a very nascent stage. We, we don't have a huge body of literature yet to determine exactly what happens inside the human body, but that's what Dr. Van Vliet's investigating his project. So the first step is just defining the nutrient density. The second step is taking it into the human body, plant-based meat, grain-fed meat, um, and grass-fed meats. And then the last stage of his research will culminate in a study where you look at if everything you consume from a grass-fed regenerative farm, like fruits, vegetables, animal products, and then what happens when it comes from a conventional farm as well. And so that research is underway. And yeah. I have my own hypothesis. I, I predict that you will see lower levels of inflammation and just better biomarkers, improved omega-3 fatty acid rates, and maybe body composition benefits. Um, but again, that, that study isn't quite done there yet. Yeah, you know, I, I think one of the things you pointed out is, is that there are compounds in grass-fed meat versus this conventional meat that, that we, we don't even know about yet, right? I mean, there are certain things we measure, there are certain things we know about, but there are a lot of, especially a lot of these phytonutrient compounds that we don't even, we don't even know exist. And so, you know, we're, we're, we're going to hear, you know, it's so funny when I first started, um, lecturing and open my clinic. And this was, you know, in 2007, so about 15 years ago, almost nobody had heard of an omega-3 fat. I mean, it's kind of crazy. I mean, I, I would say when I would do lectures, it was definitely way less than half. I mean, it was probably 20%. And all of a sudden, five years later, everybody knew what an omega-3 fat was. So, so there are certain things that, you know, we become aware of over time. And I think we'll look back and, and say, wow, I mean, there, it is a night and day difference when you're eating conventional versus the 100% grass-fed. Yeah. And I forgot one last thing. So uh, satiety, Dr. Fred Provenza is looking at these phytonutrients and their ability to promote satiety. And so wow. if that hypothesis is correct, right? Uh, that's kind of why maybe a lot of us are eating and eating and eating and not feeling satiated because we've kind of bred out these phytonutrients that would otherwise regulate our satiety mechanisms. And so I, I, I think that might be part of their benefits as well. Yeah, I can see that. Wow. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I personally, yeah, we, we eat a lot of grass-fed beef in my house. I mean, a lot, you know, in fact, <laughs> last night we did these stuffed peppers, which was awesome. We took these red oh. bell peppers and, and, uh, and, and, and did that dish and that was fantastic. And then our daughter loves grass-fed meatballs. I have a three-year-old. And so mm -hmm. we, you know, we do that. We take some of these flax, a little bit of flax crackers is the, you know, there and then loads of Italian herbs and some eggs and makes these meatballs. And anyway, so, um, so we, you know, we're, we're big fans and, you know, we, we travel a good amount as a family too. And so one of the things I just, I mentioned, because I've just been such a big fan of, you guys have these grass-fed paleo Valley has these grass-fed beef sticks. And it's something our family loves. And the thing that I love is that my three-year-old likes them, right? Sometimes, you know, with, 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 with kid, because with regular beef jerky, it's just too hard. Like our kid, like she can't, she can't eat at that age. But the great thing is, is that it's, it's much softer and chewier. And so anyways, my point is, is that I love that you have these, these beef sticks. There's, there's, um, super convenient, really great. And, uh, and again, not 30%, 100% grass-fed, which has so many benefits. One of the last questions I want to ask you, Autumn, was in relation to one of, the, one of the things you started with, we are seeing a mental health pandemic today. 
I mean, when, when, you know, it used to be the biggest conditions we saw on the rise were, you know, back when I was founding my clinic was diabetes, obesity, heart disease, and cancer. But today what's overtaken it has been mental health disorders, especially in Gen Z and millennials. When you look at the data, um, I personally think the single biggest reason for that is poor values and a, a problem related to morality, identity, and purpose in life. And so I think that's the biggest foundation. At the same time, I think the second biggest cause of that is dietary issues and lifestyle issues. So let's talk for a minute about what, what are some of those key nutrients that are in things like wild animals, liver, grass-fed beef that actually support mental health and some of the deficiencies people may need to be taken care of for their own mental health. Oh, yes. It's such an important thing. It's something I wish I had known. We had mental health issues in my family. And so I always attributed my own to just, oh, well, this is just my fate. But what was happening was I was creating a lot of inflammation in my body that was traveling right up that vagus nerve and impacting my brain. So they've actually done this research. They've looked at the most mental health protective nutrients and the most mental health protective foods. And so you'll think, see things like folate, vitamin B9, B12. I can't even tell you. I've been going through some case studies where, you know, infants and just people have these crazy psychiatric conditions that are then resolved with vitamin B12 supplementation or just consuming them. Iron, our brain requires iron, obviously oxygen transport, but also neurotransmitter metabolism. Um, it improves, you know, the production of white matter in the brain. And so a lot of us are deficient in iron. And then again, DHA, DHA, omega-3 fatty acids, one of the most important nutrients for our brain, especially when, when it's developing. But then again, our brain is a highly fatty organ. And so consuming those nutrients. Also, you know, potassium and selenium, there are other nutrients that are really, really important for the brain too. But I say that most important B vitamins, they're going to help methylation, which is going to help your omega-3 yep. fatty acids to be incorporated, your omega-3 fatty acids and iron, right? So those, those are the big ones that I look for. And those are, again, in the foods that we've been talking about, seafood and grass-fed red meat, and yep. of course, liver. Liver, actually, when it's grass-fed, can have a really high quantity of DHA, which is surprising. Again, wow. there's those omega-3 fatty acids. And so they say liver, you know, and, and fish and beef, and then also your greens, your leafy greens. They've done studies, or there's one out of the University of Chicago, I believe, where people who had two servings of green veggies every day had a brain that appeared 10 years younger than people who did not. And so, and also your brightly covered vegetables, right? And fruits and all the polyphenols in there. So those that Columbia University kind of did that breakdown and, and that's what they came up with. So those are always the foods that I'm emphasizing. I love it. Well, Autumn, this has been great talking today. Any last piece of, uh, pieces of advice for the audience today? Actually, be before I get the last piece of advice, I do want to say this. One of the things as I asked April to come on today uh, as, as part of as doing an interview, because she has so much wisdom and knowledge around, and I, I love regenerative agriculture and everything we've talked about today a little bit. Um, I want to let everybody know that uh, Autumn was kind enough to give us a discount on. She is the co-owner with her husband of a company called Paleo Valley. And they have, I'd mentioned these several times, these beef sticks. And if you want like a super, like a, a snack that's high in omega-3s and protein and iron and B vitamins that we talked about, these beef sticks are awesome. And so she's giving anybody a discount who wants to run, uh, run online and do it for a limited time. You can go to paleovalley.com forward, forward slash the health institute. So paleovalley.com 
forward slash the health institute. And you're going to get 15% off your order for a limited time. So again, paleovalley.com forward slash the health institute. You'll also see it if you're on YouTube on the show notes or or uh, or or on the podcast again. And so, anyways, um, Autumn, thanks so much for for that offer for everybody who wants to take advantage and try those as well. What's your last piece of advice for everybody? My last piece of advice for everyone is just like you said, um, everybody's perfect diet is going to be different and it's going to be changing. And so, starting with an ancestral template, I think is great. And then just kind of experimenting from then. And then, if you're feeling overwhelmed and you don't know what you can do to kind of improve the state of our collective health and the state of our environment. And it's just meeting and supporting your regenerative farmers. It's a big, it's a growing movement. The health of our planet and our health and soil health, they're all linked. And when we support our regenerative farmers who are local, we create a really food secure, um, uh, food sovereignty. And we, you know, create a generation and a future that our um, kids are going to be grateful for. So I love it. That's great, April. And again, just as a reminder, what she's saying, if you want to support your own health, your family's health, local farmers and the planet, eat grass-fed beef. Uh, What we see today with these lab-grown meats and beyond meats and everything else, you're actually harming the planet and harming yourself. So again, go 100% grass-fed in your meat, support those local farmers. And thanks again to Autumn for, uh, for being on the show today. Hey, really grateful for you. Appreciate everything you're doing. And everybody will be back with another podcast next week. If you're not subscribed, make sure to subscribe here again. And we'll see everybody real soon. Hey, Dr. Axe here. I want to say thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to like and subscribe to the show so you don't miss a thing. Also, if you're in search of more natural health content, you can follow us at Health Institute on Instagram or subscribe to our newsletter using the link in the show notes below. Hey, thanks a lot and have a blessed week.